Live from the WLIWFM studio in Southampton, New York, on November 28th, 2022, I'm Gianna Volpe on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. Three food companies and a trade school are among the 12 local recipients of $10.7 million in state business aid to support building projects and new jobs, Governor Kathy Hochul announced. James T. Medora reports on Newsday.com that the largest award, $6 million, went to Water Lilies Food, Inc. to more than double the amount of space that it rents in the former Entenmann's Bakery on Fifth Avenue in Bayshore. The company produces spring rolls, dumplings, egg rolls, pot stickers, and other Asian appetizers. The $37 million Water Lilies project is one of 74 across New York State to win grants and or state tax credits through the annual Regional Economic Development Council's competition begun in 2011. Hochul announced the first group of recipients last week, saying more would be named in the coming months. New York State has awarded $65 million to 74 projects statewide among Long Island's 12 projects. There are three on the East End, including the Bridgehampton Child Care and Recreational Center, which received four hundred and $57,000, Mattatuck's Martin Cider Farms, $400,000 there, and Conscience Point Shellfish Hatchery, $24,500 coming right here to Southampton. In other news, this year's race for New York governor was fueled by more than $78 million in campaign donations and more than $68 million in spending, which doubled the figures for each of the last for gubernatorial races to a level unseen in 20 years, according to state records. Michael Gormley reports on Newsday.com that Democratic Governor Kathy Hochul raised more than $55 million and spent more than $47 million on the race she won. Her Republican opponent, Representative Lee Zeldin of Shirley, Long Island, raised more than $23 million and spent more than 16 The New York State Board of Elections figures cover from January 2021 to after Election Day on November 8th, 2022. Those figures don't include millions of dollars more spent by what are often uh, national partisan groups operating as independent expenditure committees, which often air negative TV ads and by law are supposed to be independent of campaigns. Such committees spent at least $21 million in support of Zeldin and at least 500000 in support of Hochul. Some uncommon factors helped drive up donations and spending this year. Those include the lack of an elected incumbent because Hochul rose to the job in August 2021 when then-Governor Andrew Cuomo resigned amid sexual harassment accusations that contributed to a focused effort by Republicans who saw their best chance at winning a statewide office in 20 years. In addition, Hochul had to quickly show she could amass a campaign account large enough to ward off challengers in the Democratic primary, which she won in June. Then in October, some polls showed the race tightening and donors poured in more contributions to each candidate. And finally, a lack of promise, uh, promised functioning smoke detectors at what turned out to be an illegal East End vacation rental led to the death of two sisters, quote, robbing them of precious time to escape as a blaze consumed the house this past summer, according to a lawsuit filed by their family. Matthew Chase reports on Newsday.com that the sisters' parents, uh, Lisa and Louis Weiner of Maryland, filed the suit November 21 against Pamela Miller, Peter Muller, Miller, and uh, two 
holding companies, HomeAway.com and Verbo Holdings. Jillian and Lindsay Weiner, ages 21 and 19, died as a result of the fire, which swept through the rental on Springs Lane in Noyak early on August 3rd. The sisters were part of a family of five from Potomac, Maryland, who rented the home for vacation. The defendants' greed, corner-cutting, and willful failure to give any thought to the safety of the occupants of the premises led to their deaths. That quote from the lawsuit, which uh, cited the lack of detectors and rental permit and an uninspected outdoor kitchen. Quote, rather than fond memories of a week's vacation on Long Island's East End, the Wiener family is left with a nightmare from which they cannot wake. As a consequence... Of the egregious behavior of the defendants, the world will never see the full potential of these extraordinary young women. The suit says the preliminary findings of a Southampton Town investigation in August concluded that the outdoor kitchen at the rental, illegal with questionable smoke detectors, was the likely ignition point for the house fire. Ryan Murphy, Southampton Town's Public Safety and Emergency Management Administrator, said the house had been illegally rented, lacked a permit, and thus never had a safety inspection, as required by the town code. Such an inspection would have included a check for smoke detectors. According to the suit, HomeAway and Verbo made written representations to the family that the home had safety features, including uh, smoke and carbon monoxide alarms. Reading the weather in Stony Brook in honor of our first guest this morning, Dr. Allison Ellisku, joining us for the Medical Monday segment, underwritten by Compass's Jennifer Benton at the bottom of the hour. Looking like a sunny Monday with a temperature rising to near 52 by 11 a.m., then falling to around 47 degrees during the remainder of the day. Northwest wind around 15 miles per hour. Tonight mostly clear with a low around 34 degrees. North wind 6 to 13 miles per hour, but it's already 55 degrees. Right now, I'm Gianna Volpe. Uh, what do we got for you? We've got the Iguanas, uh, Juju Sons, who I'd never heard before making this playlist. A band called Under the Oak and 10 Years After with Jeff Tweedy on deck after that. But first, the Beach Boys right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, the weekday morning and midnight show playing music from all decades and genres. And speaking to folks from all walks of life, all because of you, the listener supporter of Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Sunset 
little taste of endless summer here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. I was wondering while I was playing The Warmth of the Sun, is that my favorite Beach Boys song? And then I realized, no, actually, my favorite Beach Boys song, and it, and it, ha- and it goes back to it being that way when I was a kid, is Little St. Nick. That's my favorite uh, holiday song, is Little St. Nick by the Beach Boys. I won't play it right now. Um, I'm not going to get it started so early, but I will play uh, I will play something completely different for you. We're in the Warm Sun section of the set list, so we've got uh, tracks called Warm Sun by the Iguanas, Juju Suns, Under the Oak, and Ten Years After. They're all pretty different. Uh, start with the Iguanas and then Juju Suns, which is actually one of my pet tracks of the morning because it's so interesting. I've never heard it before. I'm Jenna Volpe. These are the Iguanas, and you, whoever you are out there, you're awesome. And you're listening to Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM, found on the 88.3 section of your FM dial throughout eastern Long Island and coastal Connecticut. We're 96.9 in central and western Suffolk County and corresponding sections of Connecticut, but you can always stream us online from wherever you may be at WLIW.org slash radio. Stay tuned.
little juju sons uh, kind of like a uh brandon boyd meets um dave matthews and jimmy page all in one interesting stuff leading us to the bottom of the nine o'clock hour uh, a little after midnight if you're listening to the replay that means it's time for our medical monday segment underwritten by jennifer benton very excited to welcome on to the show for the first time dr allison Ellisku, the medical director of the adolescent LGBTQ plus care program at Stony Brook Medicine and the principal investigator of the study last summer. I don't know if you guys remember, uh, we were helping to promote a survey uh, to help uh, uh, Stony Brook Medicine learn more about the LGBTQ plus patients that they serve. Ele- more than 1,100 people responded during the four-month 
fielding period, and we're really excited to welcome Dr. Ellisky on to talk about uh, the results of this finding. Good morning, doctor. Hi, good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for being with us. I'm really uh, looking forward to learning about what you guys learned and, uh, more importantly, uh, what will come from the results of this survey. Yeah, so as you mentioned, we ran the survey last year from June through September 2021, and it really was Long Island's first um, uh, LGBTQ comprehensive community health needs assessment survey, really with the goal of learning about the community in Nassau and Suffolk County, um, what issues people are struggling with, what experiences people have had in healthcare so far, positive or negative experiences, um, and really try to understand the, the environment here in, the, in Long Island. Um, and we were thrilled, like you mentioned, to have over 1,000 people respond to the survey. Um, we were able to get a lot of really good information. Right. Um, so some of the things that we learned were a little bit concerning, actually. Mm. Um, we learned that mental health especially is something that this community is really struggling with. Right. Um, so, for example, over 60% of people who replied to our survey are having symptoms of chronic depression, which is symptoms of sadness for most days over a two-year period, which is pretty significant. Um, almost half said that their mental health was poor or fair and had symptoms of anxiety. Many people were struggling with things like thoughts of self-harm or thoughts of wanting to hurt, kill themselves. Right, more but than a third. only about a third of people were actually receiving mental health care at that time. It's heartbreaking. Definitely, um, there is a need for mental health care, and people weren't accessing it. Right. I mean, access access to health care access to health care is is a huge problem, and it seems like no matter what way you look, uh, it's a big issue. Um, I'm interested to see what does come of this because I think that that was this was something that um, was a major finding through the pandemic period is that we have a real problem as far as access to health care is concerned. Absolutely. I would say it was something even before the pandemic, but right. during the pandemic, Correct. mental health need really exploded. And yes. this, uh, this population, I think, struggled even more than the average population. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. And almost, so almost a quarter of respondents indicated that travel time or distance made it more difficult to see a provider. What really broke my heart reading these results is that 37% of respondents reported being treated disrespectfully or in a non-affirming way by a healthcare provider or their office staff. You know, uh, this is something that is rampant, let's say, on the internet. I was, I was uh, s- very sad to see just how vocal some people are uh, as far as the, their non-affirming um, or disrespect towards folks in this uh category of people. Um, but when you see it on a level, uh, as far as healthcare providers or office staff, that's something that's, I, I, as you mentioned, or as I I think that you're talking about uh, being one of the concerning uh, findings of the survey. Yeah, I completely agree. That was one of the very concerning findings. And when we looked a little further into that group that had had a negative experience, many of them, the majority had said that that changed the way they went, they saw a provider. Right. They may have avoided seeing a provider when they needed to, or avoided things like routine preventive care. 
And even those who didn't have this experience, my guess is that the majority of them either know someone who had a negative experience or have seen a negative experience, read about it on social media, on the news, um, or heard about it from a friend. Uh, so it, it, that definitely is playing a role, right. something we needed to work on. You know, it's, it's, it's one of these things where, number one, it feeds right back into the mental health uh, issue. And it also, uh, just a, a, I want to take a moment just to remind folks how uh, small things, small things that you say uh, or, or do can have a, a large effect on someone else. And that's both, both positive and negative. Uh, saying something small in a negative way can, can really have a vast impact on someone else. And so can something as simple as a smile. Continue. I'm sorry, Dr. Exactly. Ellis. And one of the things that we, I wear on my, um, on my ID badge when someone first meets me, they see um, a rainbow pin. Uh, when we walk into any of our Stony Brook offices, we see um, a rainbow flag and something inviting people to, use, uh, to, to tell us what name or pronoun they go by so we can add it into their electronic medical record and so that anybody across Stony Brook Medicine knows the best way and um, to, to address someone and make them feel comfortable. Beautiful. So those are small things, really without saying a word, that really do speak volumes. I know that respondents indicated a strong interest in an LGBTQ plus health center. Um, it, what was the response from Stony Brook Medicine? Are they thinking about this? Is this something that um, uh, may happen in the future? Yeah, so actually um, Stony Brook uh, Southampton did open Long Island's first comprehensive LGBTQ health center in Hampton Bays um, about uh, two years ago called the Edie Windsor Healthcare Center. Right. Um, and that's open and functioning, um, doing routine uh, preventive medicine, mental health services, um, and really increasing the services that they're able to uh, provide under that roof and also looking into things like telehealth options to help with people who might struggle with access to care. That's right, Edie, the Edie Windsor Center. So how, how have things been going there? Things have been going great. Um, that they're, it's very popular, and it keeps um, gaining more and more momentum. And um, we're also looking to potentially build services in other parts to, of Suffolk County just to make it even more accessible um, to people throughout Suffolk. Right, as, as, as we mentioned, uh, almost a quarter of respondents indicated travel time or distance made it difficult, made it more difficult, so that would be wonderful. Uh, what else, what else uh, haven't we talked about that you really want to make sure gets across to listeners as far as this survey and uh, care for LGBTQ plus people, especially youth, is concerned? Yeah, so um, in order to really make this survey um, such a success, we collaborated with over 30 community partners, um, and they were a huge part of the survey and the success of the survey. And so one of the things that we're doing is collaborating with community partners, doing things like holding different events throughout the uh, year to just make the community feel supported. Um, and that's something, like I said, that we're doing in collaboration with different community partners. Um, we're offering things like trainings to all of our healthcare staff. Um, from the person you meet at the front desk, the first person you walk in when you meet in the emergency room or in an office, um, to the nurses, to the doctors, to the social workers, really across the board, about the, really the importance of 
of um, affirming care and culturally sensitive care. And that's, those are trainings we're also offering out in the community to the um, community groups and organizations that we're working with to make sure that LGBTQ people feel welcome no matter where they are, whether it's out in the community or in any of the medical settings. Um, so those are the types of things that we're trying to do. Um, another thing is even building material into um, medical students or residents, their curriculum, so that the new doctors and um, providers who are coming up in the ranks that they're comfortable working with this population. It's critical stuff, Dr. Ellisku. I mean, though that alone, and, and anyone who is out there in the healthcare field that has not taken uh, one of these trainings, no matter uh, what you think about, you know, uh, how open-minded you may be, uh, it never hurts. In fact, it's it's really helpful. Things are, are fluid and changing, and it, it could make a big difference in someone else's life just to take one of these classes. Um, and I thank you for adding it into the residency programs and, uh, you know, the trainings for new doctors and new healthcare providers. Uh, before I let you go, Dr. Ellisku, are there any events coming up that we can mention uh, for the listeners to know about? Um, the next one that we're starting to plan already is the... Um is a, a, pride, a couple Pride events that will be out in June, so we don't have any specific details quite yet. Um, but as new ones come up, we can definitely let you know so you can let the audience, let listeners know. Please do. Um, we recently had a great coming out day event at, um, at the county farm in October, and that's a pretty close collaboration that we plan to continue working with. How was coming out day? Right, October 11th. Oh, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was wonderful. It was just so great to see um, all different types of families just be in a supportive environment and um, just feel connected, feel like there are other people who understand what they're going through, um, see young folks, whether it's um, preteens or adolescents, um, just feel comfortable with their identity and who they are. It's really incredible some of the stories and things that uh, we've heard coming out of these events. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Allison Ellisku, for what you do, what you've done, and uh, just for being you. I'm Gianna Volpe. Uh, what do we got as far as the playlist is concerned? This is uh, Warm Sun from a band called Under the Oak from the Big Sky record of 2018. We'll be going back to 1970. Uh, for 10 years after from the Cricklewood Green record, Warm Sun there. And then Jeff Tweedy, Warm When the Sun Has Died from the Warm Record of 2018, right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station. You just heard the Medical Monday segment underwritten by Jennifer Benton on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Light your way when you turn around
one of the best things this life has to offer, Lying in the Sun, the track around which this entire playlist was wrapped, the Beths from their Warm Blood EP of 2016, Lying in the Sun, which leads us to our Lying in the Sun section of the set list. We've got uh, Lyra Lynn, Stereophonics, and Plastic up uh, 10 minutes before the NPR news break, or 10 and a half minutes for the NPR news break and the local news update right here on Long Island's only local NPR radio station, WLIWFM. Stay tuned.
in the sun from Stereophonics 2001 record just enough education to perform leading you into the NPR news break with lying in the sun uh, plastic featuring bright sparks right here on WLIWFM NPR radio hey 
baby, honey, now's the time to quit All this chasing money, we forgot to live Need those worries behind There's a whole world outside Come on, let's get away yeah, Let's get away Let's get 